Welcome to Zion Fellowship's Bible Wire. In these podcasts, we discuss what the Bible says, line upon line and precept upon precept. Today, Tom Brennan will be continuing our study on the book of 1 John. Settle in for the next few minutes and learn more about who God is and how he loves. Okay, so we're continuing on with our study of the first epistle of John, and we're going to now break into the second chapter. Uh, it took a little while to get here, but here we are. And we're going to cover, uh, starting with 1 John chapter 2, starting with verses 1 through 6, we're going to jump in and talk about some of this stuff. So let's jump in and let's read the first little part here. So he says, my little children, now note, I'm going to stop for a second here. My little children. Just let that kind of soak in. We can sometimes just let that kind of just run over us like da-da-da-da-da-da. No, he's saying my little children. <laughs> now, that supposes several things. An intimacy. An intimacy for one thing, a fatherliness, and also a great care. And he's looking at these people, new believers, as my little children, my little children. It's the heart of the Father, you know, coming right through John, which is not surprising, as John was very close to, uh, close to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. But it says, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. So sin's a big deal. He's not like, oh, it's cool, you're good, not a big deal, just do what you want to do, you know, uh, just, you know, whatever, you know, just uh, love Jesus and you're all good. No, he doesn't say that. He says, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, sins we have an advocate with the Father, <laughs> Jesus Christ the righteous, and he himself is the propitiation for our sins, big word, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. So let me break this down just a little bit. So he's saying, my little children, I write to you so that you may not sin. It's one of the other purposes of this book. And then he stops and he says, and if anyone does sin, we have an advocate. So he's got this thing he's doing right now. He's talking about the struggle of the Christian life, of these two natures. I want to do the right thing, but I didn't do it. I want to do the right thing here, and I didn't do it. I wanted to be right, and I wanted to be careful, and I lost my temper. And it's, this is the kind of thing he's getting into right now. If anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And he himself is a propitiation for our sins. Now, let's back up here. Let's, let's break this down a little bit now. So he starts up and he says, my little children. And what that means is my little born ones. My little born ones. In the Scottish word, we've probably heard this before, it's barnies. You know, oh, my little barnies. You know, kind of, that was more Irish than Scottish, which is a good idea. I'd have to kind of like adjust my, my accents. I'm in an Irish thing right now. But anyway, so it's my little born ones. It's Scottish. And it's this very endearing term of little babies. All right. And so then he gets into this whole thing talking about Jesus as our advocate. So Jesus is our advocate with the Father. He's still our Father. We are still in fellowship with him. So it's not this judge and accused type of relationship, we're still in fellowship with him. And this is why we call this the family epistle. We call it the family letter because he's writing as a family. Now, advocate, the word advocate there, it's a legal term, and it actually comes from the Greek word parakletos or paraclete. And what it means is one who pleads another's cause before a judge, a pleader, counsel for defense, legal assistant, and advocate. This word is used 
of the Holy Spirit, but also of Jesus right here. Now, there's a whole lot we could go into with the whole paraclete thing. Um, you know, um, that word actually means encouragement, um, an encourager and so forth. It's got that meaning too. But for right now, we're just looking at a legal defense team, so to speak. So if anyone sins, we have a legal defense team with the Father. Now, what does a legal defense team do? A legal defense team comes and says, hey, talks to the judge and presents the case to the judge. That's what they do right there. And that is who John is presenting Jesus as. But there's this legal sense. So what I want to do, I want to relate a story here about Fiorello LaGuardia. He was the mayor of New York City, okay? LaGuardia, you heard of LaGuardia Airport. Okay, I'm going to tell you a story about LaGuardia. And it goes like this. When he was mayor of New York City during the worst days of the Great Depression and all of World War II, was called by, by adoring New Yorkers the Little Flower because he was only five foot four and always wore a carnation in his lapel. He was a colorful character who used to ride the New York City fire trucks, raid speakeasies with the police department, take entire orphanages to baseball games, and whenever the New York newspapers were on strike, he would go on the radio and read the Sunday funnies to the kids. One bitterly cold night in January of 1935, the mayor turned up at a night court that served the poorest ward of the city. LaGuardia dismissed the judge for the evening and took over the bench himself. Within a few minutes, a tattered old woman was brought before him, charged with stealing a loaf of bread. She told LaGuardia that her daughter's husband had deserted her, her daughter was sick, and her two grandchildren were starving, but the shopkeeper from whom the bread was stolen refused to drop the charges. It's a real bad neighborhood, Your Honor, the man told the, told the mayor. She's got to be punished to teach other people around here a lesson. LaGuardia sighed. He turned to the woman and said, I've got to punish you. The law makes no exceptions. $10 or 10 days in jail. But even as he pronounced the sentence, the mayor was already reaching into his pocket. He extracted a bill and tossed it into his famous sombrero, saying, here is the $10 fine which I now remit. And furthermore, I'm going to fine everyone in this courtroom 50 cents for living in a town where a person has to steal bread so that her grandchildren can eat. Mr. Bailiff, collect the fines and give them to the defendant. So the following day, the New York City newspapers reported that 47.50 was turned over to a bewildered old lady who had stolen a loaf of bread to feed her starving grandchildren, 50 cents of that amount being contributed by the red-faced grocery store owner, while some 70 petty criminals, people with traffic violations, a New York City policeman, each of whom had just paid 50 cents for the privilege of doing so, gave the mayor a standing ovation. And this is a wonderful picture of how God is our judge but also our defense counsel and our redeemer. You know, there's this beautiful song by Michael Card that talks about the Jubilee. And he talks about the Jubilee. He says, one of the things, he says, um, he says, to look into your judge's face and to see a savior there. <laughs> Blows my mind. To look and see your judge and you see a savior there. And that is what we have right here. It's a wonderful picture of how God is our judge, but also our defense counsel and our redeemer. And there is an accuser of the brethren. And we know who that is. It's Satan. So there is an accuser. And he's always accusing. And so that's what he does. That's his job. He hasn't stopped. If you're being accused, guess what? You are on God's team because that's who he accuses. So propitiation, that's a big word. I said that before. It basically means atonement. Um, and it says right here, it doesn't say if we go through a ceremony, that it says that Jesus is our advocate the moment we sin. He's there to represent us. So we don't have to go through some 
lavish thing. It's just like, it's like if we confess our sins, we, we agree with what he says, we're good to go. And a big part of this word right here, and this is where I've been studying this Greek right here in this word, helasmos, and it means propitiation, which also means mercy seat. It's also used as mercy seat in Romans 3.25 and Hebrews 9.5. It's the same Greek word, and it actually says mercy seat. So Christ is our mercy seat. Okay, that is where the blood was shed, you know, in the Old Testament law. That's how that was right there. So that is, that is um, what we have right there. So all that big first section that we looked at right there was God is light. We talked about God being light. Now we're going to move and we're going to segue into God being love. This is the next section, big section that we have right here. And we're going to start with, uh, continue on in John, and we're going to continue on starting at uh, verse 3. We kind of overlap this, but we're going to do a little bit of uh, going over it again right now. So now we're going to talk about commandments. So he says, now by this we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. Let me stop and say that again. We know that we know him if we keep his commandments. He who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. He who says he abides in him ought also to walk just as he walked. Okay, so we get into this right now. This passage is very similar to what we already read. I'd mentioned before that that uh, First John is kind of like a spiral. He kind of keeps on going over the same themes again and again. So it's basically, this is a, a repetition or kind of an amplification of what we saw before. So previously, we read, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. And now we read, he who says, I know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. So this is an ancient rhetoric technique. It's known as amplification. So he's got a few few core ideas he wants to communicate about light, life, and love. And so right now he's moving over into the next section, which is actually talking about love right here. So he's going to spiral. He's going to cycle through these ideas. So this, a lot of this right now is an instruction against Gnosticism. The Gnostics were not concerned with behavior so much as belief. They were actually, we talked about this last time, but they weren't too concerned with how you behaved as long as you believe the right thing, as long as you could say the magic word, you were on the right team. You know what? There is a sense where um, Jesus even got into this, you know, it's like there's this place that says, do not think that you can say, we be Abraham's seed. He goes, because I'm telling you, God can make, God can make, um, you know, any of these stones into that. God can, God can do anything that he wants to in here. So don't think just because you were born with the right last name that you're in the club. He goes, that's not how it is right there. So um, it's not just about knowledge and it's not just about standing. It's about it's about behavior. And there is this great tie-in that Jesus always preaches, you know. And some people might call that the social gospel or whatever. All I'm saying is like, you know, it's like you don't want to be, you want to be a doer of the word, not just a hearer only. And that's what Jesus is getting at right here. He's tying these two together. John is tying these two together, saying that um, if you say you know him and don't keep his commandments, you're a liar. So we want to make sure that our, that our, uh, that our actions are backing up actually what we're saying right here. So this is the only way that we can be sure that we are in God and approved by him. If we are close to God, John declares that this closeness will demonstrate itself by a Christ-like walk. And when I was a, a kid, and um, this is something that you got to kind of you know, put yourself in, in my shoes. I've been around, I've been on this planet for a while, uh, a bit long in the tooth, uh, but I've been around, uh, born in 61, so I saw a lot of stuff come and go. And one of the things that they had back in the 60s was a smoking commercial. Now, back then, people smoked. Everyone smoked. My mom smoked. My aunt smoked. Everyone smoked. It's just the way it 
was. <laughs> you'd go you'd go to a restaurant, you'd have a non-smoking section, all smoke would just drift over to you. But anyway, the point is there was a smoking commercial, very interest, interesting. It was actually put out by the Ad Council. And it was this father and this son, they're walking along, and, and the father is walking along and had this, this song, you know, you know, kind of a thing. Really kind of happy-go-lucky. And they're walking along, and the father is there, and the father, he's, they're by a... They're by a uh, they're by a lake, and uh, the father takes a stone, and he throws it, and he skips it, and the son picks up a stone, he tries to skip it. Then they walk a little bit further, and uh, the father picks up a stick and throws it out in the water, and the son picks up a, a, a stick and throws it in the water. And then the father is done playing with the son, and he sits down, and he lights up a cigarette. And it shows the kid picking up the pack of cigarettes, you know, and then it's like... Do you want your kid to do this too? He was asking that question. So it's very much that way, okay? So this can happen subconsciously or deliberately, but the only way we can be sure that we're in God and approved by him is if we are close to God. So if we're close to God, this close demonstrates itself by a Christ-like walk. So who we're close to, we tend to copy, we tend to emulate. So that's what we want to do. So we're going to stop right there, and we're going to pick this up next time. We're going to continue on by talking about new and old commandments. So uh, thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next time. We have reached the end of today's Bible Wire podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, or if you'd like more resources related to this podcast, you can find us online at www.zionfellowship.net. We're also available on social media. Look for Zion Fellowship. Thank you for joining us today on Bible Wire.